Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for stopping by our weekly teaching podcast from our Sunday morning worship gathering here in Casper, Wyoming. We really appreciate you listening. This is the third week of our series, A Long Obedience, going through the Psalms of Ascent. This week we talk about worship from Psalm 122. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Casper Alliance Church, or you can go to your app or Google Play Store, look for Casper Alliance Church, download the, the app with the double C's, and you can be connected with us right away. Hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening. And here's what we're doing. I'm going to start talking or preaching. We're going to, we've kind of changed the service a little bit. Um, we're going through this series in the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 through 134, 14 Psalms, and, and it's the pilgrim's journey back to Jerusalem. And each Psalm has a focus uh, on the discipleship path. So this morning we're in Psalm 122. We talked about repentance two weeks ago, about being so disgusted with where you are that you have to turn and run the other direction. You have to repent and ask for forgiveness and run towards the Lord. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about God's providence, his involvement and activity in your life. That he is for you. God is for you. He is for his people. And, and that should give us great confidence and hope and joy as we live kind of on this terrestrial ball and feel a little discouraged at times. But God is for you. And when God's people believe that he is for them, they begin to make and work and live in, in that way. This morning we're going to talk about worship. Psalm 122 is about worship. And so what we decided to do with the service this morning is, is kind of alter it and shape it in a way to where we're going to end with worship, singing. Now, I, um, I will admit and say out loud that, that the worship experience, unless you come up with a better idea, and we are all ears, at this particular point is singing. That's kind of the American church's expression of worship. As we sing. Now, singing isn't one of those things that we're all like, that excited about. I know in my house, when I sing, I'm usually yelled at to shut up. Like, please be quiet. Your singing is not awesome. You don't need to, you're not in a musical. I sing everything. Like, hey, I'm making a sandwich, and I'm cooking some breakfast. That's what I do at home, and it drives everybody batty. And it, it's a hereditary trait. Our youngest son, Carter, does it now, too. And, it, and when we do it in harmony, it sounds amazing. And... But if you are, if you're one of those people who's not into that sort of thing, it could be incredibly irritating. And I admit that there's times where I'm incredibly irritating. But the point is, is in the church experience, worship and how we describe it usually involves us singing. And I, again, I'm open to suggestions. How can we do worship differently? How can we, how do we express ourselves in a worshipful way differently and let's, let's talk about that at some point and like start to put that together. Because I agree that there's places where some of the men, some of the dads in this room are going, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the whole like, hey, let's sing some songs because I don't identify with singing. I'm not one who identifies with, with and I am, so I like it. But to, the, to my point, that's how we do worship in, in the church right now. Make a joyful noise. That's what we do. We sing. And, and we're going to sing it. This morning. Now, here's, I have one thing I want to tell you. It's all right. That happens to me all the time with my watch. Remember last week, my watch started yelling at me? There is one thing I want to tell you. You have to decide to worship. Worship is a choice. 
It's not an involuntary action. It's not something you just go, hey, all of a sudden I started worshiping. You can say all of a sudden I gained 20 pounds because you just involuntarily ate for 20 straight days of all kinds of garbage and junk. Oh, how did this happen? It doesn't happen that way with worship. You just you don't just arrive at worship and like, I got here. It, you have to make the decision to decide to say, I'm going to worship. I have to worship. I want to worship. Now, how you get to that point, there's a lot of pathways to where that happens. But in order to worship, you need to make a decision in your spirit that I decide to worship. That is the, that is the only thing that you need to hear this morning. The rest of it, I hope, leads to that point to where say, I want to decide to worship. Now, let's look at the psalm for this morning, 123. Now, you can hear in my voice, it's a little strained. And I have um, what's called, I know this is weird, I have a cold. It is, it is unbelievable that colds still exist, but I have one. And, and I'm going to try not to spit on you guys. So my suggestion would keep your mouth closed all during church until, until I move. Now, I'm not feverish, and I'm all jacked up on DayQuil. So the energy you normally get from me, let's crank it up a little bit this morning, huh? Huh? Yeah, let's, let's dial it up. We're going to go level 10 this morning. So let me read this psalm to you. I'm reading from the NLT again. This, psalm 122, a song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love the city prosper. O Jerusalem, May there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and the friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord of our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Father, I pray this morning that it's only your words that are heard. And that we, uh, as a church family, understand that we have to decide to worship you. And Lord, I, I pray that you stir us up towards worship. In your son's name, Jesus, amen. I don't even know why I put these on. It's like I'm going to read anything at this point. I'm just going to say stuff. When you begin to make the journey towards the Lord's house on Sunday morning, I mean, I know we're in a school, but really, this is, this is where this church meets. Do you have this attitude that like, I am so glad I get to go to church this morning. I'm so glad I'm here. Let's go to the house of the Lord together. And now I'm standing inside the narthex of Casper Alliance Church, and I'm here to do what? There you go. So when a person comes, there's a lot of reasons people go to church nowadays. There's a lot, and, and I think there's really two streams in which you canoe those ways you go to church. One is somebody wants to come hear a guy talk about, about the scriptures. 
And I, that's valuable. That's learning and growing through the, through the word is critical for the life of the believer. The other reason people come to church is because they want to sing. And they want to worship. And they want to they experience the people of God together. And sing together. Now I've talked a lot about worship here over time. And I've interrupted our worship service and described why we're doing this particular song. And what this song means. But the idea here is that you're, in worship you're surrendering all of your wants, all of your desires, all of you are. And you're focusing solely on the person of God. And saying I'm choosing to to revel in your attributes and who you are and all that you've done and all that you've provided and all that you've given and everything that you've done so that I can have life. And I'm going to do that with the people who feel and believe the same way. And the way that we're going to do that is we're not going to all speak in our own ways. We're not going to all say different things at different times. We're going to stop our own words and we're going to play a song and we're going to use those words together to describe who God is to encourage our hearts and remind us who the Lord is, to, to, to again, sit and be saturated on, on the, the power and the majesty and the, and the goodness and the characters and the salvation that God brings to the table for each one of us to experience. And when you come into church, you're effectively saying, I decide to worship. Now, if you enter through these doors and you're like, you know, I just, I'm looking forward to that time where Jason talks, you're doing it wrong. There's a lot of activity where as you come through these doors, your attitude already sets the stage for what's going to happen when you begin to worship. Your biases, your frustrations, your whoever's on the piano, whoever, whatever song, whatever the worship leader's wearing, he's wearing some sort of dad shirt this morning. It has flowers on it. And like, I don't, I'm not down with that sort of clothing. Who wore Hawaiian, is it like Hawaiian shirt day? I see two of them. I should have worn one today. I thought the dad uniform was plaidish. But your attitude that you have when you walk into the room, when you enter the house of worship, completely changes or informs or creates this sort of experience that you have as you worship. And what I'm asking us to, as a church is say, I'm so glad to be here in the house of the Lord let us go into this place ready and able and deciding that we're going to worship. We are going to worship today because it's how I connect with God. This is how I, how I can experience God in his, in his majesty, in His power, and His authority in my life. I'm going to surrender my words. I'm going to surrender my heart. And I'm going to ask through these songs that we sing together to, to, to give me hope and joy and life and encouragement. Now, some of us, again, we don't like to sing. I don't understand, because, again, I sing everything. But those who don't like to sing, I think this is one of those areas that's a growth space for you. And again, until we decide as, as a church that we're going to do worship in a different way, we need, this is how we're doing it right now. And I'm welcome, I, I, again, I'll say it one more time, I am open to your suggestions. If you guys want to dance, let's do it. Somebody better step out and dance for real then. If you want to paint pictures, I mean, there's a lot of ways to express ourselves. But singing songs together in unison is how we're doing it. Now, what is the psalmist saying here? Again, remember, this is the journey of the pilgrim. They're ascending into Jerusalem. This is the person that's been in exile away from the Lord. 
in our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, um, we have all kinds of missionaries that are in places that we don't talk about. That are living in a hard space that we don't acknowledge. And when they come off the field for their furlough, and they enter this a place like this, and they get to sing with other believers, it is, it is, it is encouraging beyond anything that we even understand. They are exiles heading back to the house of the Lord. And I think one of the issues is, is we don't have that experience. It's, it's easy to accept. We, we are able, it, this church experience is easily accessible. We can grab it and touch it and we take it for granted. And I'm telling you, the reason that we're going to go through Revelation in the fall is because this experience is not going to be around forever. And the church needs to be able to decide to still worship. To decide to show up and to sing praises to the Lord. And I need to encourage you that this is the expression of the church. I imagine um, all the pilgrims go from exile that aren't living in Jerusalem, heading back to this holy city, which has so much biblical representation. Has a, has a beautiful place, and in fact, it's talked about it at the beginning of the book, and at the end of the book, the first time, the first time Jerusalem is referenced is with Melchizedek, who is the king of um, Salem. There you go. Thank you. And this is where Jerusalem is talked about in Genesis. And Abraham, remember, Abraham, we talked about this a while, like, I don't know, it's a year ago. Abraham had this interaction with Melchizedek, who was the king over this area, Jerusalem. And so it has this beautiful picture in Scripture of this holy city, this, this place where God resides. And then as, it, as it's progressed over time, we built, David built temple there. They brought the Ark of the Covenant there. The Ark of the Covenant meant so much to God's people because every time the Ark went somewhere, God showed up. Things happened. And not just like, hey, I feel good about the songs we sang this morning, or communion was sweet, or hey, that pastor took some methamphetamine before he started preaching and got all jacked up on Dayquil and went bonkers on Sunday morning. And that was fun. We never experienced No, the Ark of the Covenant made crazy things happen to the world. And God's people were rescued time and time again when the Ark showed up. God's people experienced the true presence of God. All of Indiana Jones' friends were melted when they experienced the Ark of the Covenant. I just wondered if anybody's paying attention. The Ark of the Covenant arrives in Jerusalem, and they build a temple, and it becomes the Holy of Holies. And it's where God rests, He resides. So this pilgrimage isn't just, hey, let's go back to where we're from. Next week, is it next week? In two weeks, I'm going to back to where I'm from. Now, we all have this thing about, we had this conversation this morning about where you're from. We get excited. Some of us are more excited about others. If you meet somebody from the 307 community out in the wild, not like in the Wyoming wild, but the other place, so we, they're like, they're pumped. They're like, oh, 307, yeah, yeah, and they do that weird hand thing. I don't know, I can't do it. Did anybody else do that where they give the gang sign for Wyoming? There it is, 307. I can't. It's like, I'm part of a gang. <laughs> and they can do it again. Three, okay. There it is. 307. That's my, that's my click. Are you are part of it? And when you meet somebody out there. So we're, um, we were in, uh, what, we're, we're in Arizona. And there's that, like, 
uh, that, that town on the hill. It's like a ghost town, but everybody, they have a bunch of shops there now. And um, I can't remember the name of the town. It's just, it's kind of Sedona, but it's like up the mountain a little bit. And you're like, you go there, it's a tourist trap, right? And, and you're there, and you're, you go around, and, and um, I don't even know why. I think somebody had, somebody goes, hey, where are you from? And we're just talking. And we're like, hey, we're from Casper, Wyoming. And one of the shop workers, a blacksmith, goes, oh, Wyoming, you guys still believe in the Constitution. Like, he's like, <laughs> like he just interrupted the conversation. And he's like, I'm from California, this way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Because just remember why I'm from Wyoming. There's like this whole thing where, like, there's this proud behavior. So, like, I was born when I was in high school. People would ask, like, hey, you from York, Nebraska? And I'd be like, no, I was born in Oakland, California. I'm, I'm a gangster. That's where I was born. I'm not, that's exactly where I'm from. I'm from California. Now I'm like, don't tell anybody I'm from California. But then as I got moved to Minnesota, I was like, where are you from? I'm from York, Nebraska. I'm a Nebraskan because back, at, back when I went to high school, Nebraska football was the real deal. I was like, yeah. So I, everywhere I went, I went, to, I went to the University of Nebraska. That's right. I was on the marching band, 95, 96. I marched at the Fiesta Bowl, right? And so then I'm living in Minnesota telling everybody I'm from Nebraska. We moved to Detroit, and I'm like, that's my permanent home now. What did I tell you this morning? I would consider myself a Detroiter. I lived in Detroit more time than anywhere else in my entire life. For, well, that's right. Well, we, we need like 11 more years to surpass that, but we lived there like 13 years. So I, my kids are born in the Detroit area. My wife's from Detroit. So like I tell people, I'm from Detroit, and people are like, oh, wow, that's really dangerous. I'm like, yeah, there's gunfire all the time. We, no, it's, we lived in the suburbs. Like, it is, we, lived, we almost lived in the country. We could get to Lake Huron faster than we could get to Detroit, really. But my wife did work in Detroit, and so we talk about that. Like, we're proud of where we're from. It's interesting. When I went and got my, this is just a little insight to my world. When I went to got, get my new Wyoming driver's license, and I filled it all out, and I was, like, doing the paperwork, and they're like, locations that you've lived where you've had a driver's license. So I'm like, Nebraska, Minnesota, Michigan. I hand it to the person. And they, they're like, there's one more. I'm like, no, there's not. Yeah. Where did you just move from? I'm like, how would you even know that? Like, you, you lived in Iowa. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I lived in Iowa. Like that's, like, that's what I forgot. Like, I pushed it out of my brain. And I, we had just moved here. It's so bizarre. So here's the point of what I'm telling you. We get excited about where we're from. And where we're from matters. And we love to talk about it. This is no different than the, all of the exiles, all the Hebrew exiles who, who haven't been to Jerusalem. And they're, they're heading back to town and saying, this is where, where David built the temple, where Solomon built the temple. This is where the Ark of the Covenant is. This is where, this is where the Holy of Holies, this is the most amazing place on earth. It's, again, it's like when we go back to Disney World, it's like, this is like home to us. Or Yellowstone. We feel that way about Yellowstone now too. Like, we're like, this is so exciting. I'm going back home. The natural response of entering into the presence of, Lord, of the Lord is not anything other than worship. Again, I'm going to double down. Right now, that's called singing. And that's how we express worship. We can come up with other ways to do it. But you need to decide to worship. Are you excited to enter the house of the Lord? See, what happens in a church, and I, I think Jerusalem, um, as it's progressing, right? So now Jerusalem 
is, is still a city. It's an industrialized, modern city, and it still has a place in history. But the presence of the Lord isn't necessarily in Jerusalem anymore. Where's the presence of the Lord? You are the temple. The Holy Spirit resides in you. So when a bunch of temple people show up to church, the presence of God is here. The same experience that we have with the church is the same experience the pilgrims are having going back to Jerusalem. We get to go be in the presence of the Lord because that's what he is. When we come together on a Sunday night, all of us saved folk are coming and there should be this bubbling and excitement and this, this, this crazed joy that we get to experience God because we're with God's people. And God has changed, transformed, renewed, and created this thing called the church where the people of God come together. And we sit and we rest and we sing and we learn and we grow, and, but this, it's the presence of the Lord is here. Now it's it's interesting. Have you have you ever been into a in into a sanctuary that's like pretty spectacular as far as a sanctuary go? I went into some some cathedrals in like Montreal. It's pretty wild. I mean, you just like this is this is this is this is incredible. I've been into the a cathedral with um, in um, El Salvador, where uh, I can't even remember his name now. He was martyred in in, in this in this cathedral in El Salvador, and he was like one of the last Catholic martyrs. And he's one of the last ones to be made a saint. But you walk through this, this, this cathedral in El Salvador, and you're like, wow, this is heavy. This is heavy. There's a lot of things happening in this room, and you feel it. And I think what happens is the American church has, has kind of lost that touch, and we've created the coffee shop experience, which I'm all in favor of, by the way. Or we, or we inhabit a, ch- uh, a school to where you walk into the building and you're like, this doesn't really feel like a church. Or we wear shorts and flip-flops and you're like, that guy doesn't really feel like a pastor. That's an experience, I think, that in some ways hinders our ability to connect to the power, to connect to the presence of the Lord. And, and I, unless we're proclaiming, and this is where I think we're different, and, and a lot of churches are different, unless we're pro- proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, actively, regularly, talking about the gospel, we'll just be, we, churches just become like a social gathering. But as soon as we begin to yell about Jesus and make him the centerpiece of how, why and how we gather, it transforms a school and a gym into the house of the Lord. It's about the words of the people. Again, let me read it again to you. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now, here we are, standing inside your gates, God. When you proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior, as you you are empowered by the Spirit, as you are the temple of the Lord, and you arrive at the house, wherever that is. In China, it's a basement in a condo building. In Iran, it's a hut where six people are gathered. In Cambodia, it's a, it's a, in a mountain village. In Africa, it, who knows at this point? It might be in a guard shed because you're held captive. The house of the Lord is where the presence of the Lord is. 
and, when, and it transforms every structure because God's people are in it. And so when you arrive inside the gates of the building, regardless of if, it, if it's a school or if it's a true church or it's a cathedral or it's a hut on the African plain, you are in the house of the Lord. You are in the worship center. You are in the place where you have to decide, I'm going to worship today because I'm gathering with God's people. And today I'm worshiping. And that's a complete transformation of our attitude. Sure, we've turned and we've run from the things we're disgusted with. We've repented of the sin in our life. And we're running towards the Lord. And we're trusting that as we go on this journey, God's providence is over us. And He is for us. And He loves us. And He wants us to be a part of His family. And we are, when we arrive with His people in His place, His place can be anything. When we go up on the mountain this summer, His place is Mill Spring Ranch. If we decide to meet out on the lawn, if we decide, it doesn't matter when God's people are together and the Spirit of God is in us, we decide to worship together. So, why is worship so important? God's community, the church, his people, is where we experience deep connection with the Father. And we experience that. By pushing one another. Turn with me to Hebrews. Chapter 10. We're going to be in Hebrews for just a minute. Then I need to be done because we got sin. We have to choose to sin. There's a misconception that, that worship singing has to be a certain type of song or a certain type of hymn or a certain type of whatever. And I want us to kick that in the pants. Worship is, again, God's people saying, I'm here to worship. I'm deciding to worship. And however my church decides to do that, that's how we're going to do it. Verse 19 of Hebrews 10. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. How did you enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was? This is what this the ark of the, the temple is now here, and we have confidence and assurance that we can enter those places together because of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, a new and life-giving way through the curtain, through through into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Let us run into the house with assurance that he is for us. And we're here to worship him. I'm so glad I'm in the house. I'm so glad I'm in the gates. I'm so glad this pilgrimage has brought me here. For our guilty consciences. Remember, we, we have repented, have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promises. He is, he is divinely giving providence over our life. He is for us. God is for us. Let us think of ways to motivate one another. Let us continue to stir one another up of acts of love and good works. See, when you come into the house, it's not just about this guy who talks at you and the songs we sing. We're coming to stir each other up towards love and good deeds. We're coming to be a part of each other's life, to rub shoulders, to poke one another, to remind each other why we're here, to reinforce one another and say, you have a hope. 
Let's worship together because you have a hope. Let's decide to worship because God is in this place. That is the act of a disciple. Somebody who's growing in the Lord has to decide and say, I'm going to worship today. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. I'm not saying if you don't show up and worship, you're going to be burnt up. But I am saying that a behavior of not engaging in worship or saying I'm here to worship does lend itself to this path that gets off, to a, to a place where, where we become like distant, where we, where we decide not to show up. When it becomes convenient to not be here, that's a problem. And here's what's happened, and I'm so glad we only took five weeks off from gathering together. It became too convenient for the world's church to stop going and saying, I'm just going to consume it on that screen. We will never stop meeting. Ever. And even if they say you can't do it anymore, we will find a place. We will find a hut on Casper Mountain, and we'll gather with God's people, and we'll say, we're here to worship. We've decided to do it because we're God's people and we've been on this journey and we're on a pilgrimage with Him and He is for us. We will not stop meeting together. This is important for us. It's critical for us. We cannot become complacent or lazy or distant from the gathering of the saints. It is a primary function of God's people to come together to encourage and build each other up, to push each other towards love and good deeds, to say we're here in the house of the Lord and I'm so grateful to be here. And you're not going to rip my cold dead hands off of this place. I love it because the presence of the Lord is here. And when you connect to that belief and that theology that the presence of the Lord is inside the heart of the believer, when you really grasp that, there is, an, there is a, a thing that happens when you're with God's people. Now sure, we can irritate one another. I mean, I know I irritate a lot of you. I don't care. Now, if I offend you, I still don't care. But if I, if I wound you in a way that's like painful, we'll deal with it. But that happens in the church. But when you're doing it in the presence of the Lord, it's a different kind of experience. You can talk through things. And you're on the same team. And you can say we're here together to worship together. Turn to Hebrews 12. It's kind of my like, focus verse here. Hebrews 12 is so long. Verse 14. I'm going to read this as a closing and then maybe say one more thing and then we're going to go into worship. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no one poisonous root no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. See, this is the church experience. It's easy to get bitter and frustrated and annoyed and say they're not singing my favorite song or, or listen, we've been in Revelation for 15 weeks. Can we be done with it? I'm kind of scared of the dragons that are coming. And, and be annoyed with things that are, or like, oh man, you don't change the trash in your bathroom. And it, the boys' bathroom, really guys, boys, boys, you have to hit the urinal. Because the boys' bathroom, after a week, starts to really smell. But like, 
We can start to have these attitudes and this bitterness that happens. And I'm telling you, the seed of bitterness in the church grows this, this gross forest of poisonous oak that just takes over everything. And the writer of Hebrews is, is yelling at this, saying, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It infects us. So when we come to the house of the Lord, are we coming, like I said at the beginning, through these doors with all this baggage and frustration and wounds towards one another and disappointment? Or are we coming to the house of the Lord ready to say, I decide to worship today. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son of a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, or whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. Even an animal touches the mountain. If an, even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. That's you. You are the firstborn after Jesus, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven and who now have been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness, instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken, removed, so that the unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Now see... The writer of Hebrews is saying all of this is going to be burnt down, but there's this thing that won't. And it's you. It's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God that the gates of hell will never be able to prevail against. And so when you show up to the building that you call your church, you are arriving with God's people, with the presence in them, to worship. That's it. That's the task of God's people. Now, we can get into some of the tactics of God's people, like lost people matter to God, and how we're going to go about sharing Jesus with everybody. But when you walk into the house with the presence of the Lord, you have to say, I decide to worship today. Because we are receiving a kingdom that's unshakable. Be thankful and worship with holy fear and awe. The core Christian experience is worship. I'm not awesome at it. And sometimes I get distracted by it. The physical expression of worship 
is the core Christian story. You've been saved. You've been purchased. You've been adopted into the family. And you have some things you'll end up doing with your life. But your core experience is worship. That's what you do. And the disciples, the disciples' practice of worship will flow from a thankful heart. This is the will of God. Be thankful in all circumstances. You ever ask that question? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and get ready. Yes, yes. What's God's will for my life? You might need to drop one sign. I don't know. Maybe not. You can do it. I talked longer than I thought I did. But you ask that question, what's God's will for my life? I know as teenagers, teenagers tend to do that. What's God's will in my life? Scripture teaches, be thankful in all circumstances. This is God's will for your life. Worship comes from a thankful spirit. When you enter the house of the Lord and you say, I decide to worship, you are going, thank you, Lord, for saving this soul. Thank you, Lord, for providing a way. Thank you, Lord, for providing hope. Thank you, Lord, for being for me. Thank you, Lord, for loving me enough to send your son to die. Thank you, Lord. And you can fill in that blank. Presence-based people. You are temples. You are temples. Revelation talks about the new Jerusalem that's to come. The holy city. Where God's people reside permanently. It's a picture. The church will reside in the holy city. But now, no matter where we are, no matter what building we occupy, no matter what mud hut or basement, or size, it could be six or six million, where God's people are, the presence is. And you, as presence-based people, have to decide, I'm going to worship. Worship is a choice. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning and your word and to inspire just thoughts and